Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Satan cannot destroy the church, but he can work from within and get us to destroy the church. Jesus said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly, a fulfilling life, a joyful life, a blessed life. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. Are you struggling with conflict in your relationships? When you allow anger and jealousy into your life, conflict is bound to happen. Listen to today's message with Pastor J.D. as he points out two main reasons why fights take place in any type of relationship, whether it's a friend, spouse, or child. Pastor J.D. will remind you today that only God can truly restore broken relationships, and it all starts inside your heart. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. The Apostle Paul is writing by the Holy Spirit and addressing a situation that has come up there in this church in Philippi. And he says, verse 2, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, verse 3, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Then he says, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. I want to talk with you today about the matter of church conflict and why it is that we as Christians quarrel. In today's text, the Apostle Paul is addressing a conflict between two sisters in Christ that apparently as it seems, as he mentions, he deeply cared about. He says that they had worked alongside of him in the cause of and the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, it seems that something happened between these two women, and sadly, it would also seem that it was causing some serious problems within the church there in Philippi, which the Apostle Paul also deeply cared for, and in fact was the one who actually planted this church. I'm of the belief personally that he knew personally many of those believers in that church, likely having himself led them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ when he planted the church. 
Before we jump into this, I think it's going to be germane to our understanding if we make a couple of very important observations. First, this is yet another one of those places in God's Word where God seems to deem fit to omit the specificity of exactly what happened. In other words, we don't know what the conflict was about. We just know that there was a conflict, and there certainly must be a reason why God would deem it necessary to not include the specifics of what it was about. I believe it's by God's design, in the sense that with the generic account, we're more apt to apply this to our own lives. In other words, if we knew specifically what the argument was about, then we're more likely to, more prone to say, well, that doesn't really apply to me. That's not my problem. I don't have a problem with that particular issue. So we kind of disconnect and even dismiss the importance of this particular part of Scripture. The second observation, and maybe more importantly, is this. Paul not only speaks to the conflict, but he also speaks to how it is that we as Christians can resolve those conflicts when they arise. It's important to understand that this does not only apply to conflict in the church, it applies to conflict in every arena of life. Conflict in the marriage, conflict in the workplace. It's even as it relates to conflict in parenting. And the reason for that is, is because these are principles that you don't break, they break you if you go up against them. These are proven and true, timeless principles here in God's Word that we have, that the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is going to rise from the pages and by the Holy Spirit speak into our lives as it relates to this issue. So what follows are first three reasons that we as Christians fight with one another. And then two practical ways, very simply actually, to resolve any conflict in any arena in life. The first one is that we give the devil a foothold. This is where it starts. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Ephesian church in chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. That's very important. You know how it is that when you go to bed angry, and I mean it just festers and seethes, and you just, I mean you're tossing and turning, and man, you wake up the next morning and they're the Antichrist. (laughs) Reminds me of a a funny story that is told of a husband who said, you know, my wife and I, we will never 
go to bed angry. We will never let the sun go down on our anger. I mean, sometimes it's like two o'clock in the morning. Sure enough, my wife will come crawling on her hands and knees, and she'll say to me, come out from underneath that bed and fight like a man, you coward. Actually, (laughs) my wife and I resolved early on in our marriage to never discuss weighty issues at night when we're tired. And the reason for that is because the enemy knows Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 too, better than me and you. And this is when he is more apt to attack, because he knows that we're more vulnerable. We're tired, we're exhausted, we've been battle-weary throughout the day, and that is no time to discuss weighty matters. So we resolved many years ago, and my wife and I have been married for 30, going on 31 years, and it has been one of the greatest decisions we ever made in our marriage. So we have an issue, but we just say, okay, let's wait until the morning, And we will, because God's mercies are new every morning, we will tackle this matter at that time, because that's when the grace of God is going to be for us, when we're fresh, when we've had our time together with the Lord. We started off on the right foot with prayer, and then it's so so interesting, because those times when we've had those, and I know you're looking at me going, wow, Pastor, I... You know, aren't you supposed to have the perfect marriage? Yeah. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the perfect husband, the godly man that I am. Is there a lightning bolt coming down from? <laughs> so as a pastor, as one pastor said, you know, pastors in their marriages, they don't have arguments. They just have intense fellowship. So that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. So when there has been those times when We have discussed something, and it started getting a little bit heated. Uh, It's very interesting because we'll stop. We'll not let the sun go down on our anger. We'll go to bed. We'll wake up the next morning, and almost without exception, we forget what it is that we were arguing about the night before, right? So why is this so important? Because if we let that anger kind of ruminate and germinate and sprout, we are basically playing right into the plan of the devil. And we give him a foothold. It's like we let him just kind of stick his foot in the door. And it's that textbook case of you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile, more like a thousand miles. And you basically let him in, and he is able to just begin to wreak havoc, especially in the marriage, and especially in the church, because of what the marriage and the church represent. The marriage is a microcosm of our marriage to the bridegroom, Jesus the Christ. We are the bride, and the husband and the wife being married is a type of 
our relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is why it is that Satan hates the Christian church and Satan hates the Christian marriage in particular. And that's why he attacks. And he's all about getting a foothold, and this is how he does it. And again, this is where it starts. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of how subtle and insidious Satan is in getting us to battle against flesh and blood. This is, of course, Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So this is the tactic of the enemy. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church said, don't be ignorant. Don't be so naive when it comes to the tactics and the strategies that Satan uses. I like the King James version, the wiles of the devil. Kind of sounds like what it is, you know. So he's very subtle, and he wants us to fight with each other, flesh and blood. Not him, because he's a defeated foe, and he knows it. He just doesn't want you and I to know it. He does not want you to remember that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Satan cannot destroy the church. Try as he may, he can never destroy the church from without. But he does it from within. How does he do it? Oh, he basically gets us to do his job for him so he can take the rest of the day off. How does he do that? Oh, he gets us fighting one with another. I think about what Jesus said. It will be by our love, one for another, that they will know that we are His disciples. Right? Now think about that. Let's flip that around to the other side of that table. If it's by our love, one for another, that they will know that we are His disciples, then wouldn't it stand to reason that it would be by our backbiting one another? gossiping about one another, fighting with one another, that they would then question whether or not we're really Christians? It's when a Christian cooperates with the enemy that they become an agent of the enemy. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm in no way suggesting that a Christian can be demon-possessed. I am suggesting, and we're going to see this uh, shortly in Second Timothy, that a Christian can be used of Satan to accomplish the will of Satan. And this is exactly how Satan gets into a church to destroy it. This is how Satan gets into a marriage to destroy it. He gets us fighting and battling and wrestling and arguing and quarreling one with another. This is what was happening in the Galatian churches. Listen to what Paul says in verse 15 of chapter 5. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. You will be destroyed by each other. 
See, Satan cannot destroy the church, but he can work from within and get us to destroy the church. Jesus said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly, a fulfilling life, a joyful life, a blessed life. And please, by the way, it's kind of a sad day when the false teaching of name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, you know, the word faith teaching that God wants everybody wealthy. (laughs) If you just give, there's somebody that has. Sorry, I've been watching too much of that programming, I guess. (laughs) Maybe too many YouTube videos, you'll forgive me. He's not talking about in the material sense. He's talking about the life that He came to give, a holy life, a whole life, not a half-life, not a two-thirds life. No, a whole fulfilling life, an abundant life, a satiated life. But see, Satan's plan is to destroy your life. And this is the way that he does it. Here's the second one, and it's a biggie. It's that we're all given over to jealousy. Pure and simple, it's covetousness. We're jealous of one another. Listen to what James says, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. In other words, God's not going to answer a prayer if your heart is not right. The scriptures are replete when it comes to jealousy and covetousness. Throughout the Old Testament, we see examples of lives utterly and totally destroyed because of covetousness. I mean, it eats your lunch. Jealousy will just, I mean, it will destroy. And again, Satan knows it. And that's why he uses this to bring about the destruction that he wishes to bring in our lives. To me, one of the main causes for conflict in the life of a Christian, and especially in the life of a church, is jealousy. Once Satan succeeds in getting a foothold, now he's got his foot in the door, now he's going to start planting seeds in your mind. Understand that Satan is not all-knowing. He does not know what you're thinking. Only God does. Satan cannot read your mind, but here's what he can do. He can plant thoughts in your mind. Maybe by way of an illustration, give you an example of how this works. Okay, so you're here in church, 
and we're praising and worshiping. And, you know, you start off, it's so far so good. And, you know, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, you know. And then all of a sudden, Satan is right there, and he puts a thought in your mind like, why are they on the worship team? Huh. I'm a better vocalist than they are. And so now all of a sudden, there's this covetousness, this jealousy of that other Christian that has what you think you should have. So now all of a sudden, it's game on. So after the service, oh, we couch it in such spiritual terms. You know, I didn't really care for the worship today. Yeah, you know, this the song selection, I didn't really know the songs and yeah, and that, that one, you know, gal on the worship team, she was kind of, you know, I noticed she wasn't really, you know, she was flat, and it, was kinda, it kind of was a distraction for me. I mean, I was trying to praise the Lord, and then, you know, all of a sudden she just took me out of, the, out of that worshipful, you know, state that I was in, and now all of a sudden I'm like, wow, you know, and yeah, and, you know, pastors are probably, I'm sad to say, the worst when it comes to this, being jealous of other pastors. And I have to confess that, you know, this is of course many years ago when I first entered the ministry and my first pastorate, the first church that I planted, I was really young. I had so much to learn. I'm still learning so much. But Satan was very successful in getting me to compare my church with the other church. So he's putting thoughts in my mind like, huh, they just went to three services. Things are jamming there, yeah? Things are going and growing, and look at you. Hmm. And so jealousy, covetousness. It is so destructive. It is so destructive. Would you believe me if I told you that a church actually split over someone hiding the vacuum cleaner from someone else? No. No, no. For real. Because they didn't want the other person to be seen vacuuming and serving. They wanted to vacuum so they could be seen. What a servant. Wow. Thanks for tuning in today to In Spirit and Truth. Join us next time to continue studying the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, along with Pastor J.D. You'll learn how modeling your life after Jesus will change how you interact with people around you and why it's important to show the world the love and grace of Christ. As His light shines through you, people will begin to wonder why, and it just might lead to conversations that can change a life forever. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. We'd love to connect with you too, so come be part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. 
If you're in the area, you're invited to come join us in person at Calvary Chapel Caniohe for our weekly worship services. We get together every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursday at 7 p.m. for an in-depth time of Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church family is an incredible asset in your faith experience, as well as a place where you can be a blessing to others. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks again for joining us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true to 